Well, thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for coming to the house of God. I know that God rewards those who diligently seek Him. And you came here to hear from God. And thank you for the honor of allowing me to come and open my heart and share with you. My name is Robert, and I shared here a few months ago with the Mothers of Preschool uh, event upstairs on a weekday. And so I'm honored to come back here and help out a bit during this difficult time as my prayers join yours for the full and complete recovery of Pastor Mike and for the dear family, the long family who suffered such a tragic loss and has a, no doubt impacted and affected each one of you. And so thank you for allowing me to come to Christ Church. I love the name of your church because Christ is a center. It must be the center of our lives. And so the main reason I'm here is not for you to see or hear me, but for you to see and hear from God, to point you up, that you might know God. Do you know Him? Are you one with Him? Do you have intimacy with Him? Do you have relationship with Him? Because at the end of our lives, that's what matters most. And Jesus put it this way. He said, this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. That's what life is all about. Do you know him? Because if we know God, then we can begin to live a life of no regrets. And I put that horizontally on purpose. Because it begins with God and extends to one another, to those next to you, perhaps right now, your spouse, your parents, your children, whoever it might be. And life can be difficult, and sometimes we hold grudges, and we hold unforgiveness, and it can be difficult to forgive. But that's why I make the cross out of these words. And where for me, I start every morning on my knees because I can't help it. I need to. I say, Lord, I need your mercy, your strength at the cross to live this life of no regrets. And so that's where all of us invite you today to the cross, that your, mind, your life might be forever transformed. What would you do if you heard this one morning? Son of man, with one blow, I'm about to take away from you the delight of your eyes. No thanks, God. How about door number two or door number three? What's the delight of your eyes? Who do you cherish? What do you cherish? What would happen if something happened? to that person or even that thing. What would you do? Let's see what he did. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and in the evening, my wife died. His most precious possession, his beloved, was died within about half a day. Now what would you do? Would you still trust God? Would you still obey him? The next morning, I did as I had been commanded a mighty prophet Ezekiel. Wow, that still challenges me. How many of us would do that? But no doubt he had great faith. And you can't obey God that quickly, I believe, without knowing him and having a relationship with him. And many of us have doubts and everything in between. And the disciples experience that range of their faith as well. What I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And in Mark chapter 4, as evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. You know, life can be all about how you handle plan B. We all have a plan A. Okay, great. I'm going to get from here to there. Let's cross to the other side of the lake. Sounds good, Lord. He was already in the boat, so they started out, leaving the crowds behind. All of other boats followed. 
But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. Here comes plan B. Have you ever been there where suddenly you're on your way and then you're inundated or you're devastated? And you need God and you wonder where he is and lo and behold, he's sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Isn't that something? Have you ever been there? Lord, I could kind of use you right now and you have your head on a pillow. But of course, he wasn't indifferent. This was no surprise or plan B to him. In fact, I believe he epitomized the perfect peace he wants all of us to have through the storm where we could even sleep peacefully at night. But what did they do? Amidst their doubt and fear, probably just what we would have done, right? Frantically, they woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you even care? Have you ever been there? God, don't you care? My life has just fallen apart. The bottom has fell out. My loved one died. Don't you care that we're going to drown? And so then he woke up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Quiet down. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Robert, where is your faith? Do you have the faith to get from here to the other side of a lake when there might be a storm brewing? Do we trust God amidst all of it? I hope that in some way my story today might help you a bit to put even deeper trust in Him and know Him evermore and to fall in love with Him. And this is where a lot of my faith comes from. My story begins with my family. I love family. I'm the youngest of eight children. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. And this picture was taken when my parents celebrated 60 years of marriage. Thanks be to God. And my father died about a year and a half ago. I still miss him deeply of stage four lung cancer. But we went to church all the time, and I called God Lord many, many times. But I hadn't yet made him Lord. And when I was a teenager, I started asking all these questions. God, are you there? Are you real? And it brought me on a journey that brought me to my knees at a point of complete surrender with reckless abandon. Say, Lord... I get it. You want my heart. You want all of me. I want all of you. And I fell in love. I fell in love with God's Word. Fall in love with this book, you'll fall in love with Him. You'll know Him ever more deeply. And it changed my life forever. And so I grew up there in Cincinnati. And I started studying music as a youngster at the conservatory. I went on a study in Indiana for a few years in college. I love to play the piano, but because I also love to eat, I transferred back to Cincinnati to study electrical engineering. And part of my curriculum brought me all the way to Boston, Massachusetts as a co-op student. I was helping to design computer chips at a high-tech firm. And on evenings and weekends, I got a job in downtown Boston playing piano at a sidewalk cafe when I thought having that mullet would be really cool. <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't scare away a pretty girl from northeast Kansas named Melissa. And there I was, just minding my own business, a geeky, nerdy engineer, and she plopped down next to me. I was shaking in my boots, just trying to keep my fingers on the right notes. But suddenly we just hit it off. We started talking and laughing, and she kept on laughing, probably because she kept on looking at my hair. <laughs> but how else could you get a city slicker from Cincinnati, a country girl from Kansas, and in the middle of downtown Boston? That would be God. And Matthew 6.33 says, if you seek Him first, He'll give you everything you need. Of course, it didn't hurt that Melissa reached into her purse, pulled out a $5 bill, and put in a tip cup you see right there. Ever since then, she said, that's the best five bucks I ever spent. And so we quickly fell in love over an ice cream sundae. I thought, I better marry this girl. So on New Year's Eve, on a romantic riverboat cruise, I popped the question. She said, yes, right there with the ring on her finger. And one year later, we married in New Year's Eve. 
on New Year's Eve in Cincinnati, and she said, I do, even though I still had that mullet. <laughs> After seven long years at college, I finally graduated with one degree and one job offer. It was from California, so I took it, and we packed up and moved west and started our lives together. And we wanted a big family, and God blessed us with many children. Our first we named McKenna. She was over two weeks late, took over two long days of tough labor and delivery to get here in a C-section. But through it all, Melissa still said somehow, it's okay, she's worth it. And yes, indeed, she is. When she was about a year old, I had to rush Melissa to the hospital. We didn't know what was happening, but it turned out she was pregnant. But the baby had rupture, as an ectopic rupture, and Melissa nearly died. We had to stretch our faith that somehow God could heal and even still continue our desire for a big family. Lo and behold, within about half a year, we found out we were expecting again. And we moved to Kansas City to be close to the family, and we bought our very first home, and a few months later gave birth to our very first boy, whom we named Zachary. An eight-pound whopper, born completely naturally, but the next day the doctors came and said, we believe your son has Down syndrome. And bam, boy, that was like a baseball bat to my gut. And there I was, buckled to my knees. Didn't know how to deal with this, his autism, colostomy bag, cleft palate, everything. But we learned a lot of great things. We learned that a disability is really an opportunity to grow closer to God and closer to each other. And amidst our doubt and everything in between, it stretched our faith to know God, and love God, and love our family more. We also learned don't ever feed your boy an entire bucket of blueberries. <laughs> or he may say to you too, Mom and Dad, do I ever have a diaper for you? <laughs> I know because I changed that one, I'll never forget it. <laughs> A couple years later, we gave birth to another little big guy, another nine-pound whopper, another day and a half of tough labor and delivery, and another C-section, another miracle. And then after our 10th wedding anniversary, we suffered yet another miscarriage, which was devastating. And perhaps you've lost a child before birth or after birth or a loved one or a parent, and every loss is uniquely devastating indeed. And so we just said, Lord, what do you want us to do? And we just had an unction in our hearts to adopt. It took us on a journey. Eleven months later, we were on a 747 flying to Beijing, China. We came back to Kansas City a few weeks later, holding in our arms this beautiful bundle of joy. And she changed our lives forever. She's beautiful and spicy and <laughs> just part of our family right away. And there's 143 million orphans on this planet, at least. It's up to us as the body of Christ to care for them. So right away, she was part of our family. And one of the gang, of course, who could never quite make all four smile at once. You know how it can be? You get out the tookie, cookies and toys, you sing the songs. It doesn't always work. Life isn't perfect, but life is precious. We learn by having two special needs children that life is sacred. So I implore each of you, love your children with all you've got. Don't let a day go by without letting them know how much you love them. Tell them you love them. To live a life of no regrets, use the words. Let all that tough stuff roll off your back. I know there's sometimes we get on each other's last nerves. But just thank God for another day. Life is a gift. Every day is indeed a gift. Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. Everybody smile. Woohoo! <laughs> Trouble's coming. That's not easy, is it? No, but it takes faith. It's not a feeling. It takes knowing God. For when your faith, not if, but when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So what do we do? We let it grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, 
You will be strong in character and ready for anything. Are you ready for anything? Well, ten and a half years ago, I had to answer that question. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All my fear is gone because I know he holds my future and life is worth the living just because Jesus believe that deep down here believe those words more than just a beautiful hymn but the essence of our faith that even if your whole world is washed away you still have a life worth living because it's built on the rock of Jesus Christ I wouldn't be able to stand uprightly before you right now if it weren't for my faith, if I didn't know God, if I didn't memorize Scripture and get it into my heart and do my best to live it, I missed all the doubt and everything in between. My faith didn't just evaporate or take away the pain. I still cry. I still grieve. I still trust God. I try to as like a man named Job did when he lost all ten of his children. He lost his health, his business, and he said, look, even if it kills me, I'm still going to trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. An attitude of our heart, a posture of our souls, that somehow God can cause everything to work together for good. 
And he did right away. People whose faith were renewed when they just saw the footage and so forth on TV. And would you believe in the wreckage of our minivan, somehow they uncovered our camera that we had used that night at the wedding reception and took a few pictures. It's a miracle they even found the camera. Another miracle, they were able to develop that role of film. But the biggest miracle of all is that all four of our children are actually looking at the camera at once and smiling. That virtually never happens, right? And I have that picture on a blue bookmark that I love to give to each one of you. There's plenty on the table. Just so you can see a miracle. Perhaps share it with someone who needs some hope. God says, trust me. Trust me in your times of trouble. And I'll do two things. I love this. Number one, he says, I will rescue you. I will. Some way, somehow, I'll rescue you. He rescued my family that night. They got to go to heaven. I felt like we were all going together. I was tumbling and drowning. I couldn't see. I couldn't breathe. They got to go to heaven. Who's more blessed? Better is one day in his courts than a thousand anywhere else. But I was washed ashore. I don't know how. But by the grace of God, here we are this Sunday in May by divine appointment in 2014. I will rescue you. It may not be your way or your timing. It'll be God's way. It'll be good. That's number one. Number two, he says, and you will give me glory. What? Wait a minute, Lord. Are you sure you wrote that correctly? I mean, have you seen my life lately? My life's a mess, Lord. Well, you know, out of your mess, God can bring forth a message that perhaps someone else needs to hear. Out of your story, God can bring great glory. And that's what I saw him do as I just began responding to the call to come and minister by sharing my story. I'd never done this before. This is my least comfortable spot. This is the last thing I wanted to do or thought of doing. But people started inviting me, much like you did for this weekend. And as I traveled around the world and did my best to minister to orphans, just a few at a time, in places like Haiti and India after the tsunami when so many lost their loved ones, and Russia and elsewhere, because I have a passion for those 143 million orphans. And if I can offer one word that's helped me to heal the most, it's this one word, serve. Serve. And it sounds kind of backwards, right? When I'm in pain, I need others to pour into me. What I found is as you pour out your heart, God will fill you up because you can reap what you sow. It's in giving that you receive. And as you look into the eyes of those you serve and see their heart, it'll heal and transform your heart. By the grace of God alone, I've gone all this time. I've not had any depression or nervous breakdowns. I've never done drugs my entire life. I've never smoked. No drunkenness or promiscuity or internet garbage. And I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God. Because humanly speaking, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. Now, I did go through three years of professional grief counseling. I began with Stephen's ministry, and then I went through professional grief counseling. I highly recommend that. I also ate lots of ice cream and peanut butter. I highly recommend that, too. Chocolate therapy is a very happy place for me. <laughs> but mostly, I just immersed myself in God's Word. I served as best I could. And for my passion for orphans, I extended it to a foundation I began called the Mighty in the Land Foundation with a vision to sponsor orphanages around the world in honor of my heavenly family members. And so we sponsored one in Russia in 2006 and afterwards in Rwanda, Africa in honor of McKenna, in India in honor of Zachary, in 
Uganda in honor of Nicholas, and downtown Beijing, China in honor of Alina, and Hope Village as well back in Africa. In fact, since I began this foundation, we've given away or granted over $371,000. I don't know where it comes from. This has had nothing to do with me. This can only be God. We're just trying to care for orphans and special needs children around the world. But offer him what you have. Offer him your heart, your tears, your broken pieces, whatever it is. And he'll take and multiply like the loaves and fishes and do above and beyond exponentially what you could ever imagine. This can only be God. And I'm so honored to be a part of their lives in some way. I've also been very honored to have partnered with Focus on the Family. As I scraped off the walls of my heart and put them on the pages of his book called Into the Deep. One man's story of how tragedy took his family but could not take his faith. I may have lost my family, but I didn't lose my faith, my joy, my hope. And a lot of people said, Robert, I couldn't put it down. They read it in two or three hours. They say, Robert's changed my life. And do you know why? Not because of me, but because of him. And because I filled this book with this book. It's full of scripture. And that's what will change your life. And if you need one of these, or you just thought of somebody who couldn't be here who needs one, there's plenty available afterwards. And here's my pledge to you. If you need it and you can't afford it, go ahead and take it. Okay? If you need it, you can have it. I trust you. I realize it's May, but Merry Christmas. Okay? Go ahead and take whatever you need or give whatever God leads you to give. Because he all, be all, be, all these belong to him. And I'd rather these seeds be planted in your life than go back home to Indiana in a box with me. So please, take what you need. And after my family died, I said into those cameras, I said, I have no regrets because of the life of faith and family we lived because I hugged my children and my wife that day they died and I told them I loved them and so a lot of people said Robert how have you come to live this life of no regrets and so I finally wrote another book called seven steps to no regrets which will give you seven keys of how to live a life of no regrets with God and one another and it's full of stories of what God has done since the flood and so those are available if you need them. There's the video and some music CDs as well. Again, they're available to anyone for anything. So take what you need and be blessed. Because I do this full time. And why? Why would I do this? It's uniquely and excruciatingly difficult for me to share my story, even with you this morning. But I do so out of obedience. I do so because you invited me. And these past ten and a half years, over 850 places have invited me to come. And I just said yes. I don't have an agent. I don't charge fees. My testimonies cost me everything. I charge nothing. In fact, on the blue bookmark is a phone number. That's my cell phone. I'm very transparent, very inaccessible. Why? Because I have a passion to know God. And I want you to have that passion in your heart to know Him, to draw parents and children back to one another by teaching and challenging you to live this life of no regrets, starting today. Because as many of you well know, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Yesterday's gone, and right now is the only moment we have. We aren't guaranteed the next five seconds. And my prayers join yours for all those hurting in your congregation and community. And I would ask, could you please pray for me? I need your prayers as well. Could you pray just one time a month? What's your birthday? Just pray on that day every month. It's 12 times a year. And if you care to commit to pray, there's a sign-up sheet, and just take for free as my gift to you one of these wristbands. It says, no God, no regrets. It's a reminder to pray, but it's really for you. A reminder to know God more every day and live that life of no regrets. A reminder to love your family 
and tell them that you love them. As we journey through faith, doubt, and everything in between, like Job did, and he, he experienced a whole range, no doubt, for many chapters in the book of Job, God was silent. He looked north, south, east, west. He said, I can't find God. I can't figure him out. But when he's tested me, I know this. I'm going to come forth as gold. Well, you can't say that if you don't have a relationship with God. So what was his key? What was Job's secret? I believe it's right there in chapter 23. He says, I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Wow. We don't live on bread alone, but on every word comes from the mouth of God. He cherished God's word in his heart. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. In Hebrews it says, this book is alive. It can help to heal and restore your soul. It takes time. It's a process like peeling back layers of the onion. Every layer you cry a bit more. But God can restore and heal. And he did with Job. In fact, by the end of the book of Job, God blessed him double of everything, including ten more children and double of everything else. And the Bible says in the book of James that from Job's experience, we see how the Lord's plan finally ended in God. Isn't that good news? Don't you love a good book or a good story with a happy ending? Well, God is a God of happy endings. Heaven, ultimately, right? But even the seasons and chapters of your life on this earth can have good endings. If you know Him, if you trust Him, amidst the faith and the doubt and all the gamut of Emotions in between. Could I prove it to you that God is a God of happy endings? Would that be okay? Okay, look at this next picture. Almost eight years ago, this month of May, back in Fort Wayne, Indiana, a beautiful girl said to a guy like me with a past like mine, I do. Her name is Inga. She's not from Sweden. She's from Indiana. So now I'm a Hoosier. And thereafter, God blessed us with a beautiful son whom we named Ezekiel. And then God blessed us with a beautiful daughter whom we named Estella. And after a very traumatic miscarriage, a little baby boy almost five months along we had to bury, God blessed us again with a marvelous son whom we named Leo. And would you believe again he blessed us with a beautiful daughter whom we named Lola Elizabeth. Behold the hand of Almighty God. Is anything impossible with God? No, nothing's impossible with God. You see, 10 years ago, my beautiful wife and two mighty sons and two lovely daughters died in that flash flood. Now, somehow, God has graced me with a beautiful wife and two mighty sons and two lovely daughters. How is that possible? But by the grace of Almighty God, is it no wonder my knees hit the floor every morning? I assure you they do. Because I don't deserve them. I'm nothing. I'm just dust. But because I know God through His Son, Jesus Christ. He calls me Son. And look how much He loves me. Look how much He loves you. That He gave His very life for you. That you might have life and even have joy amidst your troubles. Oh, by the way, we can't get them to look at the camera at once and smile either. <laughs> and I can't wait to get back to the hotel and squeeze the cheese out of them. I love them beyond words. And so... Let me leave you with one last image of God's amazing attention to detail in our lives. See, after my family died, I had to bury all five of them at once in Kansas City. There's hardly words to describe it, but there at the cemetery after the funeral and after the burial, I had these balloons and I felt compelled to release them one by one. It was difficult to let them 
pluck out of my fingers. I still release balloons on their anniversaries, and so it, it helps me. It was awful and yet beautiful. But we came back to my empty, hollow home. I lived there for nearly three years by myself. It took a long time to go through their belongings. But my parents and siblings and I were clinging to each other with dear life, and one of my sisters wandered into our laundry room. And there on the wall was this calendar my daughter McKenna had made as a school project, a year before the flood. And it wasn't August, but now it was Saturday, September 6th, the day of the funeral. So we flipped it up, and our jaws hit the floor because there's McKenna going to heaven. She never drew herself in any month but one. She's holding balloons. I just released balloons at the cemetery. She's holding six balloons. Six people died that night of the flood. She's got a big smile on her face. Her feet are off the ground. There's a woman driving the bus. Melissa was driving our van that night when we hit the floodwaters. There's two boys and a girl still in their car seats on the bus, and our two sons and youngest daughter were still in our car seats when I found our van later that night. If you notice, I'm nowhere in the picture. It's just the five of them. And off to the right, if you can see a stoplight, she colored red, as if that's the end. Well, if that's not enough, remember that last roll of film they miraculously developed that came out with this picture that we snapped after the bride and groom had left the reception that night, and all the balloons in her car were on the pavement, and of course our kids were playing with them, and lo and behold, there's McKenna, in virtually the same exact pose as she drew a year before. This has taken a few hours before they went to heaven. Look, her arms are up to heaven, balloons in each hand, a big smile on her face. Her feet are off the ground. And do you see what's right behind her? There's that stoplight, just like in her picture. You put those two next to each other. I'm not superstitious or hocus-pocus, but this is no coincidence. This is a God incident. God is real. This book, it's real. It's not just a bunch of stories. You can live your life by it. Heaven is real, and hell is real, and you will spend eternity in one of those two places. That's the main reason I'm here, is to make sure we don't miss it, to make sure we don't hear, depart from me, I never knew you. But that we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. I know you. You're my sheep. My sheep know me. No one can snatch them out of my hands. Do you know him? That's what's most important. So I'd like to share one song with you that's very near to my heart one that I composed for my daughter, McKenna, because I had a lot of questions, you know. Lord, I don't get it. Why, why did I live and they died? I'm their protector. I'm their provider. But I was so comforted when I realized their last breath on earth was followed immediately by their first breath in heaven. Taught me what it's like to be a daddy. Be invincible in your eyes. Taught me what it's like to be the king of our castle and whisk my little princess away. But what was it like to break the bonds of death? into life and what was it like to breathe in your last breath and not die what was it like to pierce the earthly veil to heaven can you teach me somehow what is heaven like 
taught me what it's like to be your hero, to feel your whole hand wrapped around my finger. You taught me what it's like to kiss my princess goodnight, but when the rain came, I couldn't save your life. McKenna, what was it like to break the bonds of death into life? And what was it like to breathe in your last breath and still not die? What was it like to pierce the earthly veil to heaven? Can you teach me somehow? Just gaze in his eyes. What was it like to pierce? The earthly man to heaven. Can you teach me somehow? Can you show me somehow? Garland, teach me somehow. What is heaven like? like that, life can change in a second. So many of you know that all too well. We just don't know. I love their voices and the message they left on my cell phone just two weeks before the flood. I love especially what they said. Did you notice? They never said goodbye. They just said goodnight, Dad. I love you. And that's a truth, because when we're in Christ, there is no goodbye. It's just good night. Yes, we cry a lot of tears, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes, because God is faithful. He says, I will be faithful to you, and you will finally know me 
as Lord. Amidst our faith, and certainly our doubt, and everything in between, God is faithful. He is sovereign, and He is Lord. Do you know Him? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your sweet spirit in this place. We thank you for your comforter, the Holy Spirit, who comforts us in all of our troubles. And right now we lay down our regrets, our grudges, our unforgiveness, our tears, our sorrows. We lay them at the foot of the cross and ask that you would make us new. Make all things new, Father. As we go forth from this place, amidst all the trials and sufferings, for none of us is exempt, but that through it all we would know you more and love you and serve you and follow you all of our days with all of our might. We pray these things in Jesus' name.